Hey, Mary. Yes, Katie. How much did the pirate sell his corn for? His corn? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, something about the pirates? No. No? No. For a buccaneer. For a buccaneer. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the HBO show Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. And today we'll be taking a deep dive into episode seven, This Is Happening, or the one where Aluande is coming, Nana, coming for some cake. (laughs) But first, let's have a look at the results of our Twitter poll. This week, we asked you, what was the most surprising, planned part of Steed's first fuckery? This was a fun one. Yes. And I like that we said planned, because we had to take Lucius out of it, because that was not planned. I mean, to me, I think that that was the best part of it, but it's, you know, again, planned part of Steed's (laughs) first fuckery. So the options were the Swede singing, We John the Cat, Buttons eating Roach, and Jim the Butcher. (laughs) And with 46.3%, we John the Cat won, which I completely and wholeheartedly agree with. Absolutely. That was the right answer <laughs> to this quiz. The sweet, my vote was for the Swede singing because yeah, I thought fair. it was adorable. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve calling him our little Nordic angel. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, based on what happens in this episode with the Swede, like he deserves a win. So. Oh, he really does. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Baby. I know. And it makes me wonder if like what happens in this episode is going to change how he can sing too. Cause oh no, I assume I that not. it would. Because oh. teeth don't go back in. <laughs> teeth don't go back in. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. <laughs> that was, Oh, okay. We'll get into it later. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. Of course. So <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we John the cat, this large, large man go like, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to dive into this episode? Yes, we are. But before we do, is there anything in this episode that you wanted to talk about, like, before we get started? I think overall, um, the Swede sacrifices his health to move the forces of inevitability closer to each other. Mm. (laughs) That is this episode. (laughs) It's his, you know, his, uh, his sacrifice at the altar kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because we have these people who have been dancing around each other for a while and they have been smushed together or torn apart in other people's cases. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So poor, my poor baby Swede. He's so, yeah. he's so sweet. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think that we're just moving the narrative along. I think this was a great episode. It was such a a fun little adventure. And I see so much of myself in Steed Mm. as far as wanting to have a really great adventure and have fun, but also be kind of silly and embrace your inner nerd and having a partner who's like, I don't want to do this (laughs) (laughs) kind of takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah, for sure. And we see that we'll see that in the episode actually happening, you know, live quote unquote. For me, I got really, um, 
obsessed with oranges. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and what they mean throughout the episode. And I know that that mm-hmm. sounds a little ridiculous, um, but I'm, you know, sure laid on me. <laughs> okay with it. That's great. And and the fandom has really embraced the whole orange thing. Like that, yeah. this is a huge part. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, when I started thinking about it, we have mentions of oranges before this episode too. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that a little bit once we okay. get there. But yeah, so I got really, really excited about the oranges, what they mean, and how that meaning kind of shifts and evolves uh, throughout the episode. Well, we start the episode with Steed bringing Ed a cup of tea. So Ed is kind of standing at the bow of the ship and looking out, and Steed brings him a cup of tea. Very tiny cup of tea that apparently has a dollop of milk and seven sugars. <laughs> <laughs> And Ed says, it wouldn't be the same with six. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have an uncle who will have literally like three big cubes of sugar in his tiny little espresso. Mm -hmm. So I totally see that. Hey, I have a mug of green tea here that has a lot of honey in it. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Can't you know, really judge. that's totally okay. And I think that there's just something so lovely and intimate about bringing somebody like a hot oh. beverage at mm-hmm. sunrise in your house coat, like, and knowing exactly mm-hmm. how they like that hot beverage. Definitely that the hot beverage, the morning, like it's very intimate. He's wearing this beautiful, like silk, um, not a jacket, but like a house coat. Yeah, I call I it a house coat, but like it's yeah, it's like a, a robe. We yeah, call it a robe. yeah, like a robe. Yeah, yeah, and but it's it's very light and airy, and it's like a purplish reddish, pinkish yeah, I color, think I've seen and it has like birds on it. Find the fabric for this yeah, particular yeah. thing and make robes out of it, and I'm like, I think That's I might so need cool. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's so cool. But no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and he brings the tea and. You know, they're just, it's so lovely. But this is where Blackbeard's kind of trying to pull away a little bit. You yeah. know, Steed asks him what's on the agenda for today. And he says, I don't know, I might just sharpen the old sword, prepare for the next adventure. Because again, where's his ship? <laughs> I'm assuming <sighs> Fang and Ivan are still on the ship. We don't see them in this episode. That's so funny. It's true. I can, I keep forgetting about this, that he has his own ship. Yeah. So it's like. Where did it go? Obviously, he kicked Izzy off, and we see at the end of the episode that he's not on the ship. So, is it just tied up somewhere? Like, Mm. (laughs) where is it? But he is obviously saying, okay, it's time for me to go. Like, we... We did this time for the next adventure. Now, if I were Steed, I'd be like, well, I'm here for adventure too. So Mm -hmm. what are you doing? You know, like, what do you think I'm doing here? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have any sort of mission that's not in alignment with yours. Like we're Mm -hmm. both here to create fuckery. Like what, let's Mm -hmm. do it. Um, But he doesn't really, you can tell he's a little disappointed. He, he seems a little oblivious to it all. Like he's not. It feels almost unconscious in a way or subconscious because like his next move, as we will see, is to find an adventure to go on. Oh, he definitely wants to keep him there. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. You're right. So So he's not oblivious to it. He, he, he has a crush. He wants this guy to stay. (laughs) Exactly. So I think what I'm, but I I don't think that you're wrong when you say he's oblivious because I'm not Mm -hmm. entirely sure that he is fully aware that he is doing this in order uh, for Ed to stay. Um, I think he's kind of doing this so that, or he thinks he's doing this like to, 
to spend time, to spend mm. more time with Ed, who is like his still his hero, right? As Blackbeard. Right. So um, do you think he's oblivious to his crush? I think and so. Yeah. He, I have more thoughts about this okay. for later, but yes, I think okay. that Steed is not aware what, that he has a crush. That's, yeah, that's how I feel. And I think yeah. Lucius is very aware he has a crush. Oh my god, yes. And he doesn't know it yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they're interrupted by Roach. And Roach says, Captain, and they both say yes, <laughs> uh, which is a little foreshadowing. Yeah. And uh, Blackbeard immediately says, oh, sorry, my bad. It's your ship. And Roach is like, okay, who's the captain now? Because, I mean, they've spent the last few episodes, Blackbeard took over their ship. He was mm-hmm. he was in charge. He was the captain, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And I mean, to, you're absolutely right. Like, from all, like, pirate laws, technically, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that it would be fair to say that Ed commandeered their ship. Yes. Um, yeah. But I just love that, like, they both sort of agree that Steed is still the captain of the Revenge, mm-hmm. even though Ed still has, like, that kind of muscle memory to answer to Captain. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and it must feel really weird for him to not be the captain. Right, exactly. And you can see that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh I... I... <laughs> it, do- it seems like he's he's not used to it. But I think that this episode is also filled with things that people are not used to. And yes. this is like the, the starting of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a bit of a side note here because mm-hmm. in historical accounts of Ed and Steed's time together, people noted that Steed was not in control of his ship. Blackbeard was. Oh. And I even remember reading accounts of Blackbeard um, described as completely dominating Steed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That does not mean the same thing in fandom as it does right. in historical documents. But <laughs> I like that we keep pointing out the historical discrepancies. And I think that it's really important that we still make clear that we are enjoying the show. We're enjoying the characters that they're presenting and they are not historically accurate. And the people, the historical figures mm-hmm. were not good people. No, for sure. Steed owned slaves. Blackbeard was a murderer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's historical arguments to be made that he possibly didn't murder people himself, but mm-hmm. murdering was done at his hand. He mm-hmm. stole things, you know. So I've seen a lot of chatter in the fandom where people were going to Steed Bonnet's actual grave and like putting trinkets and flowers <sighs> for it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, wow. He is, okay. <laughs> he's not a hero. <laughs> like, okay. let's, let's, separate these two things well it's certainly subverting uh the narrative of steed bonnet and i think that that is really interesting and i'm yes. really glad that you're bringing this up because um that was literally my next point about mm. this okay um yeah no this is this is fantastic because like we started this podcast not really knowing what the show mm-hmm. was going to be like and or, or at least I certainly didn't and so I found it really interesting to kind of compare like the fictional narrative of the yes. show to the historical facts that sort of like anchor the show in time yes. but as the show went on I and and I started getting attached to the characters I'm mm-hmm. sort of finding myself like not caring about the historical people and the facts between the story I don't know how you feel about it but I'm just like it matters less and less now yeah, and there's just one thing that I want to point out also. It's that even the fictional Steed Bonnet is a slave owner. That's true. Right? So, like... It's not shown, mm-hmm. but anyone can take the facts that are shown and make that implication. Right. And it's it's yeah. a pretty direct one. So I just kind yes, of wanted to yeah. put that in there. That's true. Um, 
And sometimes that, you know, and that's, that's kind of the thing, right? For example, I love Izzy and yet he represents like literally everything that I think is wrong with society, which is like oh, sure. patriarchy, uh, uh, colonialism, <laughs> like all of those things. But I love this right. character. And I think that like, it just, this sort of format allows us to have these complex, complex and nuanced conversations that mm -hmm. we wouldn't necessarily be able to have with historical figures. Sure. Sure. And, you know, with Izzy, especially he's kind of the Dean Winchester character where he's, he has said some horrible things. He has done some horrible things and what the fandom is doing is taking them and going, yeah, but he didn't really mean them. And we're going to put this background to him. That means that he's repressing this and he has motivations that are more in line with, uh, you know, the, uh, a queer journey. And yeah, I don't know. we're going to put that on him. <laughs> I still no? think Izzy is a terrible person. <laughs> he is. He but is, I but look him. at the fandom, how they are just, he's like, he's baby girl, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, anyway, I have, yeah. <laughs> I love Izzy, um, but I'm also not unaware of who he is, what he represents and what his yes. um, narrative role is in this show. And I think that it should be the same for all of the characters. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. it's like, it's okay to enjoy things that are not perfectly pure. Sure. Sure. So Roach approaches him and it, is trying to tell Steed something extremely urgent. He said he that he has an emergency. And <laughs> Steed goes, one second. And then he turns his back to Roach and starts talking to Ed again. And he's like, listen, don't feel like you need to rush out on my account. We're all enjoying <laughs> your company here. And it's like, you know, absolute no care that his, that his doctor and chef <laughs> is, is completely frantic. <laughs> I think that this is just so indicative of what he considers to be a true emergency. Yes. You know, like the, the doctor and chef coming up saying like, there's a problem. It's very mm. urgent versus Ed saying, maybe I sort of want to yeah. leave. Like that yeah. is much more urgent. We see where his priority lies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Ed says, you know, I, I enjoy it too. I just stayed longer than I figured I would. And I wasn't built for sitting idle. And so it's like, it's interesting what he originally thought he would do as far as take over his ship, take over his identity. It's mm -hmm. interesting what he thought he would do after he decided that was no longer going to be the case. Mm -hmm. So would love to get inside his brain and see what he was thinking. But Well, I kind of wonder who that voice really belongs to in his mind, right? Like, I wasn't oh, sure. built for this. Like, who told him this? Yeah. Right. Well, like, and when we first meet him, he's not out doing anything. He's in his quarters sitting, smoking a pipe right. for like two episodes. So it's like you weren't built for sitting idle. Like that's all you seem to do the first before we actually got to know you. That's you know? true. Exactly. And maybe that's why he was so unhappy. Mm. As this exchange is happening, Roach is getting more and more frantic and he finally <laughs> breaks in and Steve goes, what is it, man? And he says, we're out of oranges. <laughs> and uh, Steed thinks this is ridiculous and says, this is the emergency. Eat an apple, for God's sake. This has such let them eat cake energy. Yes. And and also not knowing whatsoever what pirates need to do to survive in, in the open ocean. <laughs> and he says, no, we really needed the oranges to treat the scurvy. And he's like, scurvy? Who has scurvy? And the Swede says... 
that his teeth keep falling out and asks if it's normal. Oh, poor baby. Um, So I did look up a little bit about scurvy. Yeah. So during the age of sail, it was assumed that 50% of the sailors would die of scurvy on any major trip. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So like Magellan lost 208 of his 227 member crew. No way. That's what it says. That is huge. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and then I was kind of reading about when the citrus fruit was discovered to treat scurvy. Mm-hmm. And it was actually known in the 1500s and, and beyond to treat it. But there was a formal, like, uh, study done okay. in 1753. So that was like, it was proven then. But for hundreds of years... All kinds of sailors knew that there were certain things you could eat that would help with scurvy. Wow. I was thinking it was an anachronism because at first it said, oh, this wasn't proven until 1753. And I was like, oh, it's only 1717. But then I looked it up and apparently uh, the Spanish Navy knew in the 1500s that mm-hmm. oranges and lemons could help help treat scurvy. So, Yeah, that's amazing. It's It's so funny because like it's something that we now associate like scurvy with uh oranges and like sailing in general Mm -hmm. um that's so cool and just to kind of like bring it back to um to the actual like condition of scurvy Mm -hmm. uh it's basically a vitamin c deficiency yes uh right that can and the symptoms can start appearing uh 12 uh, in about 12 to 8 weeks Mm-hmm. So it takes about that time. So it makes sense when you're talking about major trips, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and just as a, as a quick side note, the early signs kind of include a loss of appetite, weight loss, fatigue, irritability, and lethargy. Uh, and teeth loss can also occur after one to three months. I know. And just again, as an idea for foods that do contain vitamin C to see Mm -hmm. if apples are a part of this, just, you know, for shits and giggles. (laughs) Uh, So we have oranges, lemons, strawberries, blackberries, guava, kiwi fruit, and papaya. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then we also have vegetables such as tomatoes, carrots, bell peppers, broccoli, potatoes, cabbage, and spinach. And other good sources, which was very surprising to me, are paprika, liver, and oysters. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I did see in my research that apparently some animals produce their own vitamin C and Mm. humans do not. And so when you say liver, that's probably an animal that the vitamin C is produced by the animal. I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there you go. But if they're eating like hard tack day after day after day, they're not getting any fresh fruit or vegetables, you know. Oh, no, for sure. And I was really surprised about oysters. I'm like, I don't know. I know that uh, seafood was considered to be like disgusting, right? Like the people did mm. not eat it because it was usually food that was uh, served to like prisoners. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, so for the little story, I once, when I was much younger, I went to Boston with my family and that was a big deal because again, like it's different country and all. And yeah. we did a tour where we were explained that uh, even though today lobster, it's, it's considered to be like a very like high end food, uh, sure. back in the day it was the food that they served to the, uh, to prisoners huh. because it was basically like sea bugs. It's an ocean bug. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there you go. And so I'm kind of thinking that probably people didn't eat oysters, even though they, they had like access to them. So I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, that makes me wonder how much seafood pirates actually ate. 
it makes me wonder about that too you know like because they yeah. have access to like fish hopefully I mean, like i don't know I, I don't know like, were people <laughs> fishing like is that something that they did aboard those ships why wouldn't you if you're just aboard the vessel and you're if you're needing food it's right there that's I interesting so. i don't know I don't know either. But anyway, there you go. That was a little detour <laughs> into scurvy and yeah. vitamin C. There you go. So uh, they're sitting around the dining table and Steed is very annoyed that they've run out of oranges. <laughs> and the Swede <laughs> is sitting there and they said, oh, the Swede has scurvy. And everyone's acting like it's contagious. <laughs> like, don't breathe on me. Get away. Go sit over right, there. Exactly. And just to mention, it's not it's not. No, it is not contagious. <laughs> it's not contagious. You cannot catch scurvy. If he doesn't have enough vitamin C, one could reason that the others don't have enough vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And they could be also starting to display those signs. So it's logical for them to think like, oh, you gave this to me because now I'm I'm going through this too. Right. Well, that's what, what I was kind of wondering. Did people think it was mm-hmm. contagious back then? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Poor sweet. I just want to give him a hug. And... So Steed's very upset at Roach. Yes. And he says, look, I hate to toss anyone into the carriage, but it does seem like bad meal planning. (laughs) And Roach is very offended and says uh, that there was a cake. As he should be. Yes. There was a cake that he made uh, with a 40 orange glaze. And they are so, the crew is so mad. He said, you wasted 40 oranges on a cake. And Roach said it was just the glaze and another 10 for the cake itself. And Steve says, stop going on about your cakes. It barely tasted of orange, if that's any consolation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I will say there's a little bit of a plot hole that uh, Steed replaced gunpowder with marmalade. And it looked like orange marmalade. So does he not have enough orange marmalade or is that only for Steed? (laughs) Well, I think that that is a lovely question on your part, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I I think that this whole exchange sort of like, for me anyway, reeks of, of, well, of privilege and of class discrepancy and yeah, because like, you know, they didn't know about the cake. The cake was made solely for Steed and presumably only eaten by Steed. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The marmalade, was it only for Steed? Possibly, yeah. Because marmalade is made of like oranges, which were a luxury food item. Mm -hmm. And sugar, which he had access to because he owned a plantation. Mm. Oh, gosh. Right, but there you go. Like it talks about the colonialism of Steed in this particular moment. And his his immense privilege that he is not sharing with the rest of his crew. Mm -hmm. That's true. If they didn't know about the cake and assuming uh, cakes are large enough that you can't eat it all in one sitting. I hope he actually finished it and didn't throw it away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I hope so, too. And and this kind of brings me to my my questioning about oranges. This is when I started getting like really riled up about the oranges in this episode. (laughs) Because like so we we. As you said, we know that he didn't load as much ammo onto the ship as he should have in order to make room mm-hmm. for marmalade, um, which, again, is traditionally made with oranges uh, and other citrus fruit, if you want. Now, mm-hmm. we find out now about the 40 orange glaze cake, which is more like a 50 mm-hmm. orange cake in total. Yes. And it's just like, that's, that's when my ear kind of went like, what do oranges mean? in in this moment Mm, and so i think mm -hmm. right here the like it talks about privilege and and colonialism and class 
Mm-hmm. And racism, frankly. But anyway, like I think that, that that's what this is about in this moment. And I think that it shifts ever so slightly throughout the episode. Okay. Interesting. Steed says, let's just accept the fact that due to Roach's immoderate use of the citrus, we now have to go grocery shopping, which is such an anachronism here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But again, like, I just find it so funny. Like, I love it. I love that. I didn't think I would love that, but I love it. Yeah. So apparently they're right next to St. Augustine, which is in Florida. And uh, they said, oh, this is full of oranges. And we're right near there. And Steed wants to know if there's anything exciting to do there. Maybe something that might impress a world-weary adventuring type. So he is very honed in on doing something to impress Blackbeard, to keep Mm. him around, to make sure that he's not too bored that he runs away. I think this is just so funny because there's like such a, again, like it comes back to like real emergency of like your crew Mm. being very sick, very ill. And you still focusing on like your crush. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's, Yes, very oblivious to it all. Yeah, yeah. so I... Oh, Steed. Yeah. Oh, Steed. Uh, Jim Jim is very upset when St. Augustine is mentioned. And mm-hmm. so Jim pops up and says, no, it's boring and it's awful and the humidity. Do you understand what that'll, what that'll do to your hair? Now, that's a valid argument. And Steed might actually take that under advisement. <laughs> Jim definitely knows their audience. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Steed's like, oh no, not my hair. I must hide it under a jaunty cap. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. And he did. He said, I'll wear a hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That even cannot deter me from from finding an adventure to go on right. with Ed. <laughs> right. The Swede asks if anyone else's fingernails are falling off. And then they cut to another scene. Hmm. We cut to Jim on the deck alone and there's a flashback and there's a child with two long braids and then there's a flash of like a close-up stab the child is pulling what we know as jim's knife from the victim's waistband so it looks like a child with their father and the father was and we find that out later uh the father was murdered and that's when jim got a hold of the family knife yeah so we cut back to the revenge and olawande is approaching Jim and says, so are you going to tell me? Seems really offended. I think it's really interesting because Olawande has kind of had it with Jim not connecting with him as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, man, you know, all you are is is secretive. Like, I've shown nothing but loyalty to you. I've shown nothing but care for you. And like, and I get that. Like, have you ever had a partner where you're like, open up to me? Yeah. Just open up to me. Tell me, you know, Mm -hmm. and they just won't. And due to trauma, I mean, and it's valid trauma. Oh yeah, for sure. But Olawande is val is also valid in his frustration. So. Well, there you go. And this is where I think like there's a choice for Jim to make as to whether, they want to try to like face the trauma and mm-hmm. and and somehow deal with it in order to be able to to keep Oluwande mm-hmm. in their life or mm-hmm. if they decide that like they would rather keep on going as things are and yeah. risk losing Oluwande yeah and in a way, that's sort of what happens also between Ed and Steed, in a way. Like, 
That's true. Interestingly. But yeah. Yeah. There's only so many times you can put yourself out there and get shut down that yeah. then you stop trying. Mm-hmm. Jim completely denies even having a strong reaction to hearing of going to St. Augustine, mm-hmm. you know, so still, still massively has that guard and those walls up and Alawande is rightly frustrated. Uh, so we cut to Steed is coming back onto the ship. He, they have docked at St. Augustine and he is coming back onto the ship after he, he went out to, I guess, find oranges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his mission. Um, so it was him and Lucius. And Roach says, oh, thank God you found the oranges. And he said, no, bad luck on that front, I'm afraid. He says there's been a blight and not a single orange to be found, but he's got something even better. (laughs) Obviously, he would think that, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I get to keep my boyfriend. (gasps) (laughs) Lucius is such a mood throughout this entire episode. Like MVP of the episode is Lucius. Mm -hmm. I love him so much. His attitude throughout the entire thing. I just love, so last episode we were kind of wondering like what the show was going to do in terms of like dealing with, visually dealing with his finger. Like a part of us was almost like, okay, well, do we just like, are they just going to ignore it and like show his real finger? But then they, you see like that he's wearing some sort of prosthetic like over his finger Mm -hmm. to kind of show that it's no longer, that it's like the the finger that um, Black Pete made for him. Yeah, I, I think that it's so smart. Like, it's very in-universe. Uh, it's a very in-universe way of dealing with it. So I, I love that. that. Yes. And, like, I'm, I'm not watching his hand enough. And maybe upon rewatch, I'll see if, like, if his finger is, like, bending at the knuckle like it shouldn't, you know? Like, maybe they just painted it to make it look like <laughs> it was kind of wooden. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, <laughs> I think he's look. wearing, I think it looks like he's wearing something because the, the finger doesn't actually bend. Like, it bends at... Uh, it does it not. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Like it bends at the very first, like the the knuckle that's like the closest to the hand. Like that's uh-huh. still a part yeah. of the hand. I'm so sorry. I don't have vocabulary for this. You're fine. <laughs> <I don't laughs> but it doesn't bend at any other knuckle. So like it looks, oh, okay. it looks okay. like it's, it's not really a part of his hand. So I think it was done really well. But oh, like good, good. us knowing a little bit about film, like and, and TV, we can guess that he's just wearing some sort of prosthetic to make it look a little bit bigger and a little off. And I just think it's so smart. It's so simple, so efficient. It was. Yeah, it really was. So he says that it's a treasure map in a very non-impressed way. And Steed says, a treasure map in a very impressed way. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, come on, it took me 40 minutes of intense bargaining to get this. The vendor wasn't going to sell it to me, but I managed to sweet talk her. And (laughs) Lucia said, by giving her a lot of money, like more money than I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So... Steed wants this adventure. He wants something that's going to pique Blackbeard's interest. I yeah. mean, he is like, no, we're fucking doing this. Oh, yeah, he's he's <laughs> literally paid the price for it. Yes, yes. He's like, I will give you any money you want. Like, this is going to be amazing. He's a pirate. Pirates find treasure. This is a treasure map. This is amazing. He's so excited. And funny enough, like, I love that at the end of the day, the crew still had to work in order to get the oranges. Yeah. Whereas, like, Steed got swindled for a fake treasure map. Mm, and he's, yeah. uh, like, with all of the money that he spent on the treasure map, I wonder how many oranges he could have purchased. Well, there wasn't a blight. I, they probably just told him that. He's like, oh, okay, bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, but we really want his money. What can we do? (laughs) Mm. He says, 
He says to Lucius um, that it was an investment and he'll recoup it once they find the loot. And he says, go fetch my shovel, the nice one in the glass cabinet. I, oh my God. So apparently he has a glass cabinet with a shovel in it. I just find it so funny, again, that he has a shovel and a glass cabinet, but he gets annoyed about having to get life-saving food for his crew. Like, it's just the most 18th century rich white man thing that I've ever Mm. seen in my life. Yeah. So Roach is still on about the oranges, and (laughs) Steed is annoyed about it. And uh, Black Pete pops up and says, excuse me, I don't mind saving the day on this one, Captain. Why don't I take a few men out on reconnaissance and see what we can wrestle up? And Steed is very shocked, saying, oh, this is surprisingly helpful of you, Black Pete. (laughs) Surprisingly helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Black Pete makes it clear that he just wants Blackbeard to recognize that he's being helpful. To know about this, to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting. He's still looking to impress Blackbeard, Mm -hmm. you know, completely. I'm sure he's given up the ghost on convincing the crew that he was part of Blackbeard's crew. Like, that's over. (laughs) I completely (laughs) forgot about that. Oh, my goodness. That's too funny. And I love that he's doing it, like, in front of Lucius, too, because it it brings back the whole, like, we don't own each other. And And also, like, when your spouse or when your partner is just, like, really enamored with someone, like, that you know, are completely yeah. out of their reach for whatever reason. Like it, it's it, funny. I, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't know. I always thought that it was funny, cute and endearing in many ways. And yes. I, I, I see it the same way in this particular one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course they're, they're on a ship with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a celebrity. It's like, Oh, they're li- literally there, but no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Blackbeard's just kind of out of his orbit yeah. enough to just be like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, even though they're on the same ship, like, I don't think Blackbeard cares all that much about Black Pete. No, no. It's really funny, though. I was thinking about Lucius and Black Pete in this episode, and I was like, looking at the past episodes, they had to separate them because their chemistry and their magnetism is Mm. so, uh, you know, is so apparent in the previous two episodes that like, they're like, you know what? We need to get these two. (laughs) Like, if we want Lucius to do the thing and if we want black pete to do the thing we got to separate them <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i'm okay with yeah. it like it, it makes me more yeah. eager to see them together again steed is very excited he's about to plan his day but uh Alawande pops up and says i think jim should do it you know mm. seeing as they're from here and jim said i never said that and he says yeah you don't say a lot oh that was passive aggressive <sighs> yeah so if you look at the three relationships yeah it was passive aggressive <laughs> it was like, oh, no, she didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> i got it um but if you look at the three type of relationships that are happening in this episode you have kind of in the middle is lucius and black pete they're in a informal type of relationship they don't really own each other you know, they're not really focused on in this episode, um, mm-hmm. but but they're there. Mm-hmm. I think I think it, it can still be formal, even though it doesn't really meet like usual true, standards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're very comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an I would say maybe established, established relationship. relationship. Yeah. Yes. OK. So then you look at Alawande and Jim, who it's kind of dying down. It's kind of reaching this make or break point yeah, for all of you're day. right you're right and steed and ed are still in the first blushes of oh my god mm-hmm. crush yeah um and what do i do to keep this person i mean both both Alawande 
and Steed are focused on what do I do to keep this person? Like I need, I need to keep this person. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's about to fall apart in front of my eyes. What can I do? Yeah. So, um, so all the one day is trying to kind of goad Jim into revealing more about themselves mm-hmm. and says that Jim should take on the role of going to find the oranges. They, you know, black Pete kind of wants to be in charge, but Jim's, Jim's going to do it. Steve doesn't care. He's like, whatever. <laughs> you know. And then <laughs> the Swede pops up and says, asks if there's a, a little baggie because he's saving his teeth so he can put them back in. And everyone oh. just kind of is like, Oh honey, he's very infantilized in this episode like he's like the child of the crew at this point where you know everyone's kind of looking at him sadly and and even when he runs away crying like he goes up to jim and says please help please get more oranges the teeth don't go back in and all one day goes go for a run swede and he like runs away crying oh and it was like it was just a weird dynamic that like he they're treating him like a child you know I don't really like it that much. I mean, I think that they're like, and I think that it's done like in the most loving way, right? Where like Aluande kind of sees that the Swede is about to have some sort of breakdown over his realization Mm -hmm. and like he's allowing him to expand energy in a different way. Yeah. Like which, which... (laughs) As a parent, we have to do a lot with children because it, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't learned to self-regulate in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe that's why we're kind of seeing it that way. But I, I saw it as an act of love. Um, yeah. But I can understand it not sitting well with you as well. But yeah. I, I, like I don't know. For me, it was more an act of love from Aluande because we've never seen Aluande be mean or dismissive. Sure. I don't really parent like that, and so maybe that's what. When I see him in that role as like a child and they're like, okay, go for a run, Swede. Like um, my brother, when his son would start to cry and he was like two years old, mm. he would say, oh, if you're going to go, if you're going to cry, you have to go to your room. And if we were at like my mom's house, oh, okay. he'd go, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to cry, you need to go. And they, there was like a guest bedroom and he was like, you need to go in the bedroom and cry. Mm. And I'll never forget. He was so sweet. He he, you know, it was down a dark hallway and he comes back out and he's crying. He says, someone turn on the light so I can cry. Oh, and it just, boy. I'm like, just come here and cry. I'll hug you. Yeah, you know, exactly. it was very much like, go work out your feelings on your own and come back when you're ready to not have them anymore. Uh, very dismissive. And so I think maybe that's personally why maybe I kind that's of why you saw that. But I think, <laughs> But you know what? I think that this is perfectly, and again, it kind of shows like how the same thing can be viewed so differently. Like, cause mm-hmm. I, the, yeah, again, the way that I saw it was more like when I see that my son is getting really worked up about something and I'm trying to like, be like, all right, like what's happening right now? What can we do? Can we take deep yeah. breaths? Like, cause he has a lot of like tools that he can use in order to kind of like, uh, self manage, uh, sure. because, he's also not two years old, right? He's eight. So he, right. he does need to learn, right. um, tools in order to manage on his own, especially like at school and whatnot, where I'm not always Mm -hmm. around to help him. So Mm -hmm. it's more like, okay, like 
this is a way for you to expand energy in a way that doesn't like make you spiral down kind of thing. And like, I I mean, as a runner also, like I fully appreciate the fact (laughs) that like sometimes you just need to rage run in order not to fall apart. (laughs) And it's a coping mechanism. It becomes coping. So that's kind of how I saw it. But I fully understand like what you're saying about your, your nephew. Oh goodness. Hold the babies. Hold Hold babies. babies. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay if they cry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we cut to the library where Mm -hmm. Blackbeard is with Lucius and Steed. And Steed is showing Blackbeard the map. Mm -hmm. And Blackbeard says, I hate to be a downer, but people just don't bury treasure. It's just not done. Which Mm -hmm. is funny to me. It's like all of these like pirate tropes you all have leaned so heavily on. And that's the one thing that's just beyond, (laughs) beyond (laughs) reason. Unbelievable. (laughs) Like It's amazing. Funny. Yeah. Um, Actually, I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Steed says, well, why make a map? And Lucia says, he's saying the map's not real. Um, He says, of course, of course it's real. Look at it. Tatty edges. It's been around seen things. Oh, this, this actually, now that you're saying this, this way, like, it just sort of reminds me of, of Steed on, uh, on the pirate Island where he's like being all touristy. And again, like it reminds me of, of tourists, like going to places, like buying souvenirs, like made in China yeah like and just being like but it looks so authentic Mm. oh we'll we'll get there he is definitely it gave me real republic of pirate vibes yeah there Steed you go at the like, that, it of made me vibes. think of my grandma actually mm, yeah. <laughs> who once yeah. brought us back like what she called authentic something something i can't remember and yeah. i literally turned it around and it said made in china like, and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> mommy <laughs> what is this yes. <laughs> uh, blackbeard asks steed if it were real why would she have sold it to you why not keep the map herself and find mm. the treasure herself mm-hmm. lucius is in the background being so sassy this entire time he's like oh strong question <laughs> love that <laughs> and steed says maybe she's just lazy i mean she works down at the dock selling maps for god's sake mm. <laughs> like, in this episode lucius is a truth teller actually yeah well yeah. he we will get there but he is an audience stand-in yeah that is exactly uh, what he is so Blackbeard completely dismisses this and said, best of luck to you, mate. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> and Steed is not taking no for an answer. He has tried so hard to orchestrate this. He was so excited about it. And he says, last I heard, a ship only has one captain. And the captain of this vessel says, on your feet, we're having a day. Once I've changed. <laughs> so Blackbeard asks Lucius, is he always this highly strong? And he says, yeah. I I love it. I am in a relationship I am the steed. I am the steed character who's like, oh my gosh, this murder mystery dinner <laughs> is so much like, I want to go to a murder mystery dinner. Can we go to a murder mystery dinner? And they're like, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, please, 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 please. It'll be, it'll be so much fun. <laughs> and they're like, no, it sounds really stupid, you know? Yeah. And so I feel for steed. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's me. I always want to do the weird the weird dorky stuff that sounds fun it sounds fun we went to a murder mystery riverboat when we went to savannah georgia oh my because gosh. i was like oh please oh please oh please oh please <laughs> oh my gosh i love it I, but see, yes. I love this stuff but i think that there's also something more with steed here where he's like he's not only trying to do this for himself he's also trying oh, yeah. to do it to impress 
you know, to impress Ed. Well, and he thinks it's an authentic pirate thing. So he was like, treasure map, this is us. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, it's kind of like a tourist showing up and like trying to show a local Mm -hmm. around. Yes. (laughs) Like that's the vibes that it gives me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're finally on St. Augustine and everyone's walking I guess to find the oranges. So this is the crew, uh, minus Lucius, Ed, and Steed, who are off with the treasure map. Mm-hmm. Alawande is talking to Jim. Jim says, I can't believe you made me do this. You have no idea how much I hate it here. And he says, exactly. I don't know because you don't tell me anything because you're weirdly and freakishly secretive, Jim. And Jim says, no, I'm not. I'm normal secretive. <laughs> um. Alawande says, I've known you for over a year, and I didn't know you were from St. Augustine. I don't even know what your favorite color is, which is so funny. Mm. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's the one thing he wants to know. It's so sweet. It is really sweet. And so when Jim reveals that their favorite color is teal, he says, who are you? Which is so funny. Apparently that was the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know, but it, it kind of makes me wonder what was Aluwande expecting? That's what I like black. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, what are you expecting, Aluwande? Like my favorite color is dark, dark gray. Like <laughs> in the Lego movie, only work in blacks and very dark, dark gray. <laughs> oh my God. Do you Have you seen that Lego Batman? <laughs> I mean, it's always playing in the background because I have an eight-year-old son, oh, but yeah. uh, I haven't actually watched it. <laughs> they're building they're building something out of Legos, and Lego Batman wants all the black pieces. And he was like, oh, we're very dark, dark gray. Or very like, he'll dark, only dark build gray. out of those colors. <laughs> but it's so funny because like that, I had, oh my gosh, oh, whew, the flashback. I had a boyfriend back in the day <laughs> who would only ever wear black or jeans mm-hmm. or dark, dark gray. Um, like everything that he owned was like black because like that was, and for him in, and in hindsight, what I'm realizing is that for <laughs> him, that was a way to assert his masculinity. Yeah. Um, and only, and it took him some time to get to wear color yeah. That wasn't black. So it's it's just really interesting to have that conversation about like black and dark, dark gray. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but Alawande seems very offended. <laughs> just, who are you? <laughs> so they cut to Black Pete and he's a little grumbly saying he should be leading the mission. Hmm. They say it's more than a chore than a mission, to be fair. And they tell him that he's bad at leadership. And Black Pete said, and Jim isn't. They just started talking. And Frenchie goes, yeah, but Jim's the kind of person where if they stabbed me, I'd be like, yeah, I probably deserved it. <laughs> and Wee John goes, oh, I'd love to be stabbed by Jim. <laughs> I, okay. I'm sorry. I love this. So I much. love that the crew like has completely internalized the message from Jim that yes. like nothing has changed. And they still have the same admiration for them as they did before they found mm-hmm. out about their gender identity. And I also love, because I think that this is the first episode where the crew officially uses they, them to refer yes, to Jim. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it's just done like without question. Mm-hmm. And you'll see with Nana, uh, Nana accepts it too immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved that too. That was lovely. Yeah. 
So this is the point where we actually meet Nana. Um, mm-hmm. And so Black Pete finds some oranges and Jim sees it and runs up. No, 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 no. We don't want those. Drop the orange. And then someone actually like stabs the orange that Black Pete is holding with with a knife. It was funny because he said, what are these Jesus's oranges? <laughs> or no, he says, what are they? What are they? Christ's oranges? Well, and, and yeah. And so a nun walks up and throws a knife and spears the orange that's in his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, yeah, basically. And Frenchie says, now that was incredibly badass, especially for a nun. And <laughs> Wee John goes, don't kill us, sister. I'm in the tribe. And he does a really horrible sign of the cross and kind of nudges the other people to like try to do it too. And they're not really understanding how to do it. But I just love, I love that they're talking about Catholicism as the tribe. The tribe. And I, th- I did you see how Frenchie did his cross? He yeah. just went around. Like there was no yeah, cross. It's like a circle. <laughs> right. Cause like, I, I sort of understand that there's an order in which you're supposed to there do the cross. Um, but, but like just going around is absolutely yes. hilarious to me. <laughs> so I was raised Catholic. So I was actually taught how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm left-handed. And oh. so it's like, um, I, I think you're supposed to, like, if you do it with your right hand, you're supposed to touch your head. Then you touch the center of your chest and then you reach over to, to like your opposite shoulder. You touch your shoulder and then you touch, touch your I don't know because I always messed it up because yeah. I was left-handed. So I would do it with my left hand and you and it's like, yeah, they're always like, you did it wrong. You did it backwards. So I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I always did this out of the cross backwards. So I, I relate to that. <laughs> so yeah. So he calls it a tribe and I just thought that was really funny. And he said, just joined. <laughs> yeah, the one of us said, yeah, just joined. Yep. Uh-huh. Don't kill us. <laughs> uh, so Jim says, Nana and, uh, Nana says Bonificia, and Jim says, I go by Jim these days. And yeah. they said, well, come in, Jim. So um, there you go. I love uh, that so much. Loved it. They're like, okay. You and know. again, it just like models acceptance. Yes. Right? Like, uh, yeah. Why not? Period. Why not? Yeah. Like, let's say, let's say Jim chose the name Bonnie. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Bonificia. Yeah, I go by Bonnie. Okay, come in, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. But that would no be no big deal. Yeah. Absolutely no big deal. So it should be no big deal with this. Yeah. So and it wasn't, which was great. Yeah, um, I loved it. Yes. So Alawande is fascinated. Fascinated that he's finally found somebody that that Jim knows mm. that he can get a little bit more information. He yeah. thinks it's um, he thinks it's amazing. So He's like, come in, Nana. I'm coming for some cake. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think that is the single best line of the the single best delivery of a line of dialogue on this show so far. I wonder if it's a 40 orange glaze cake. (laughs) I wonder if that's the cake they're eating. (laughs) I don't know. It looked like some sort of because I looked on the table. It it looked like some sort of like loaf cake. But maybe it it was like an orange loaf cake. (laughs) It it looks delicious. Like, take him with you and get him some damn oranges. I know, right? <laughs> Poor baby. Okay, so we cut to Steed, Lucius, and Ed. They're walking through, I, I'm assuming what, you know, the more interior of the docks um, from the ship. Because it looks like a, a market. Mm-hmm. People are, vendors are selling things. 
And Ed is like covering his face. He's, he's acting really weird. And, um, (laughs) Steed is trying to orient himself on the map. And Lucius is carrying what looks like a shovel with like a crown Royal bag over top of it. Do you know what a crown Royal bag is? (laughs) I was like, is that a crown Royal bag? (laughs) Me too. I was like, surely like it's purple with like the gold stitching and like it looks a little larger than a crown royal bag honestly like they might I don't have think modeled it, it after like they might have they might have had to make it but they might have yeah. been like oh this would be really funny <laughs> i think it's hilarious i'm like that is a crown royal bag yeah that is what that looks like so that is I'll what it is in it my up. mind i'm sorry and yes. nobody can convince me otherwise yeah if Alawande can wear Crocs, yeah. then the shovel can be covered by a crown royal bag. Yeah. The, the glass case shovel. Yes. And when they do take the the bag off of the end of the shovel, it is like highly polished, mirrored chrome <laughs> shovel. Like it is this decorative, like magnificent shovel. So <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So Steed's trying to kind of orient himself on the map. Ed is trying to hide his face and he says why are you hiding your face and he says i'm freaking blackbeard man i can't be seen treasure hunting i think it's so funny that this is such a faux pas this is such an embarrassment to be Mm -hmm. treasure hunting i think that's just hilarious i i mean i i completely agree like why treasure hunting of all things right like it's just it's really interesting and it it sort of made me wonder also like how much is he leaving must have shaken Ed up. Mm-hmm. Um, because I sort of feel like the voice inside of Ed's mind is that's kind of telling him like, you can't be seen doing this. You can't do that. Like trying to regulate right. him or trying to, um, to control him. I'm sort of hearing it as Izzy's voice, you know, telling him like Blackbeard doesn't hunt for treasure. Like it's basically the voice of toxic masculinity ordering him not to do certain things because they're like incompatible with being perceived as a manly man or like Mm -hmm. that very narrow and impossible to achieve version of manliness. Yeah. And then we're also confirmed that the greater world in this in this show sees treasure hunting as silly because one of the vendors says, ha Blackbeard's treasure hunting and starts laughing. That's so true. So it's, yeah. it's a very legitimate thing that the, I'm, I'm assuming that it's just seen as a fool's errand. Like, yeah. well, I see that you have money and, and supplies, so I'm going to kill you to get it. That's the manly way to do it. Mm. But here's this treasure map who you're going to follow it and you're going to find this treasure. Maybe that's the coward's way of doing it. So mm. maybe that's, I'm trying to understand why they would paint a, a treasure map as such a ridiculous notion in this show. You know, it doesn't really matter, but I think it's funny. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I mean, I, I agree with both the fact that it's funny and that it doesn't really matter and that it's mm-hmm. interesting to investigate. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because all I, those three things can be true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. But I think yeah. it's also like kind of interesting to to theorize about it because, yeah, you're yes. right. And, and I think that maybe like um, treasure maps are seen as uh, tourist traps. And anachronistically, when you go to a tourist location, they're going to sell you maps. And like in LA, they're going to sell you maps of celebrity home locations and you're going to go, you know, and so you kind of get suckered into buying these things from 
vendors who are trying to prey upon tourists that are oblivious mm-hmm. to these things. So that's really what they're paralleling there. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, yeah. very true. And at the same time, like, good for the locals. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, honestly, you know, tourism is a whole thing. So, <laughs> it, yeah, honestly, Blackbeard like threatens the vendor. It's like, shut the fuck up. And he says he's not Blackbeard. And and Steed is like, oh, OK, you know, and he says, I'll uh, Blackbeard says, I'll be hiding over there by that tree whenever you decide whatever the fuck it is we're going Mm-hmm. So he's just very upset. And this is not what Steed wanted, you know, but he's still kind of oblivious to it. Like, oh, it won't be long. Well, I also think that like Steed at this point knows that Ed is not going to kill that person. Yeah, that's true. Right. So I think that yeah, the he stakes, says, oh, dear. <laughs> right. Maybe he's just like, oh, wow, you're really upset about this to be making such a stink. Like, you know, yes. <laughs> like, oh, yes. all right, let's try to make sure that you have fun then. <laughs> yeah. And again, it just reminds me of. Anytime I've tried to do anything that's outside of the norm, our local theater does Dracula every year around Halloween. Ooh. And I wanted with my spouse to go and let's go, you know, let's go see Dracula. And the whole time they were like, this is dumb. This is dumb. And it made it miserable. It made it absolutely miserable. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, they were like, this was great. And then they were telling people. Weeks later, oh, yeah, we went and saw Dracula. It was great. And I was like, you made it miserable for me. And now you're telling people how much fun it was. Like, I remember in the moment feeling bad that I drug them there, you know, like, well, I'm sorry you're not enjoying yourself. Like, and so, like, I just, I just relate so hard to, like, trying so hard to do something that's outside of the norm, that's fun, that's, you know, let's just put away your armor, put aside your persona put mm-hmm. aside this feeling that oh if i do this i'm not going to be cool yeah and just go do it and have fun and that's kind of what lucius laid in bare later saying yeah. that so mm-hmm. yeah so very <laughs> hard relate to that <laughs> yeah i guess so there's so i'm i'm a single parent i parent my 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 son alone and but mm-hmm. i have a lot of mom friends who have kids uh, similar, like who are friends with my son who are not single parents. And yet like Mm -hmm. we end up doing a lot of activities like together without Mm -hmm. their spouse, because I'm always like, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. You know, let's go do this thing. Like let's, let's hop in and do that, that I've never done. Um, kind of cementing my theory that I can in fact be a better boyfriend than him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's a masculinity thing sometimes. Like if you're looking, if we're talking about masculinity yeah like um there's a lot of people out there who are like oh no i can't be seen at a theater you know having fun like this yeah. is lame i don't yeah. like this and it's like okay I, and the thing is like, that that i really want people to understand is that toxic masculinity like steals so much joy away yeah from from men and from people who want to adhere to it yes so yeah yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I've seen that happen so many times and mm-hmm. it's just like well, if you would have just not thrown a fit and just gone with it, you would have had a great time, yeah, you know. Exactly. I would have had a great time too. Yeah. Well, because that's <laughs> the whole thing, right? It steals not only did it steal joy from them for not wanting or or you know, making a big stink about going with you, but it stole joy, yeah. joy from you for, yeah. you know, trying to make that happen for you and for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, I love this podcast has turned into like therapy for me (laughs) (laughs) podcasts always turn into therapy somehow next time it'll be me (laughs) yeah uh so all right 
Steed is ordering Lucius. He says, we're going to have fun today, and that's an order. And he says, you can't really ha- order people to have fun. And he said, well, I just did. <laughs> so Steed says, guys like Blackbeard, they live for adventure. It's like nourishment for them. So we're going to have an extremely fun, memorable, deeply cool adventure. Mm. Now, do I have your support on that? So he is very, he has laid that out. Fun, yeah. memorable, deeply cool. So Lucius <gasps> is seeing him freak the hell out yeah. to impress Blackbeard. Oh. He's watching this. And taking notes. So Steed uh, and Lucius like respects him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, okay. Like I'm behind you now. Like instead of being the snarky person who's being drugged along, he's like, no, no, no. I'm here to support you now. I think that Lucius appreciates Steed being upfront with him. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. This is my goal. And, and Lucius is kind of like, oh, okay. Well, if you can admit that to yourself, then we're good to go. Let's go ahead with mm-hmm. that then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of we're going to find a treasure. That's the thing. His goal wasn't we're going to find a treasure at the end of this. Yeah. We're going to find loot. We're going to find something. Mm -hmm. He said he wanted to enjoy the day. It's the journey, not not the destination destination. Right. So I think Lucius was like, oh, okay. so as long as you don't believe we're actually going to find piles of gold, I can get behind you here. You just Mm want to go have fun and and. And impress Blackbeard, you know, impress your crush. So, (laughs) and Lucius is cool with that. He's like, all right, cool. (laughs) Like that works. (laughs) Oh, this is like, this is uh, flirting. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Mm -hmm. I can be your wingman. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he is, he's an excellent wingman. I would love Lucius to be my wingman. (laughs) Oh, Lucius. (laughs) Yes. Um, So we cut to Olawande and Nana and Jim having cake. Mm. And talking about uh, Jim's past. And uh, the nun is very, you know, on brand with Jim. Very (laughs) morbid. Very uh, talking about a priest. Uh, Jim once bit a priest's finger off. (laughs) And uh, Nana is laughing about it. And the priest swore he. show and people biting fingers off. Oh my (laughs) gosh. That's That's two episodes in a row. I wonder if Jim had flashbacks when, <laughs> when Buttons, which oh, is Buttons. Buttons not, is not in this episode. No, Buttons is not in this episode. Yeah. Maybe he's hanging out with Fang and. Um, yeah. Yeah. They seem to be the more competent of the crew. So maybe they're doing like actual ship stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and day noticed. He's like, oh, dark humor over here. <laughs> and Nana says, life is pain. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of, sp- <laughs> they're speaking Spanish. And Nana looks at Jim and says, I like him. Is this your husband or a living in sin situation? And Jim groans and says, he speaks Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Jim is so, so embarrassed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nana is picking up that Jim and Olawande have a have a really strong connection. Mm-hmm. So Nana is looking out and looks at the crew fixing a wall for her. So I guess they've kind of negotiated that if if they do some things, they'll they can have some oranges. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, which is the whole point of like Steve yeah. having spent so much freaking money on this map versus like <laughs> he could have just given uh like the the nun some money. Yeah. And like purchased oranges, but instead like the crew has to work in order to get oranges. She asks about the crew, the ones that are fixing my wall. And, uh, 
Jim says, oh, they're just a bunch of idiots. And she's, oh, figures. Uh, who else would agree to get paid with oranges? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's a vital thing, you know? I mean, they really do need these oranges. This is a legitimate need. Right. And for two, they're already getting a salary. Yes. Yeah, they don't need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we cut to Blackbeard and Lucius. And they're walking through kind of this, I, I keep saying jungle because it's a very... I think it's a fair description. That's also how yeah. I'm describing it because it doesn't quite feel like a forest, you know, like yeah. with all of the exotic plants. Right. And to me, like Florida doesn't have jungle. So like... <laughs> um, well, I mean, maybe... It, uh, I mean, are there any areas of Florida that aren't uh, built upon? It's like, yeah, well, there's a lot of swamp. Okay. Okay. So swamp. Okay. Yeah. But I'm still going to call it jungle. It's fine. Okay. All right. Perfect. Let's just, let's just but imagine I'm just that gonna, it's jungle. I'm just going to point out that I know it's in Florida and I'm saying jungle. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Like to me, it doesn't change anything because I'm like, oh yeah, maybe there is jungle in Florida. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it feels very exotic to me. <laughs> it is. I mean, honestly, that's, yeah. So I. I don't really know what to call it when it's a bunch of vegetation in a, uh, is that a tropical climate? I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. Let's I'm, go with hey, jungle. Hey, wait, you're a master of science. So I am a master us. of science now. Let's call it jungle. <laughs> okay. All right. It's the jungle. So Blackbeard, I, I love this entire sequence. Like, it's amazing. He's getting so mad at the flies. <gasps> I know. Um, And he's going, fuck off, flies. And Lucia says, they're not that bad. They really are full of blood, though, aren't they? Like little flying grapes. <gasps> and then one of them flies into his mouth. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so gross. Yeah, and, uh, so disgusting. <laughs> so I guess it is the swamp because there's mosquitoes everywhere. Yeah. And he says, uh, at least you got lunch. I'm fucking starving. Blackbeard yes. says that to Lucia. <sighs> Well, it, this and, sort of makes me wonder how much of it. So I'm just like, because I, I have some thoughts about why he's acting this way, but then there's also yes. another part of me that's like, is he just hangry? Like, is that how he is because he's hungry <laughs> and angry? That's true. Right. Like, cause I, my best friend is like this, where if you take her someplace, like mm-hmm. I now know after spending so much time with her that I need to pack some snacks in yeah. my purse when we go out, because otherwise like. If she gets to a point where she is so hungry, like she is just not livable, like basically yes. like Ed level, not yeah. livable. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like my alternative reading of this moment. Mm. My, um, my mom's husband is like that. Low blood sugar on some people, man, like will yeah. just like wreck them. But so yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about my original understanding of yes. this. <laughs> um, because later I think Lucius is going to call him, call Ed intense. And so I, I kind of want to apply that word to him in that moment. Um, Mm. because I'm sort of seeing it as Lucius seeing through the amount of energy that Ed is kind of like expanding just to keep up Mm. with his masculine image. Yes. Um, because both Ed and Lucius are not having a good time in that like swamp slash jungle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Lucius even swallows a fly and I cannot imagine that he's very happy about that. (laughs) No. (laughs) But Ed is the one who is most angry and he's also worried about like the gaze and the judgment of others. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's even more on his guard than Lucius. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, yeah, I think it's a lot to do with his 
view of his own masculinity and I really think so how people perceive him like that wanting to look cool um and I think for him because of his gender identity like his need to look cool is is Mm. completely melded together with like looking like a cool manly man yeah which is completely at odds with what happened in episode I believe it was four when he dressed in Steed's clothing and was all silly about it keep in mind that at that time he thought that he was going to kill everybody on that ship I was about to say that okay right (laughs) (laughs) so like St. Augustine is not a safe space for him to explore any of that because there are people who can see him exactly that might spread the word you know his image is is very carefully cultivated and yeah back in episode four he was like these people are goners apparently he feels some sort of safety within his crew yeah with Izzy and Ivan and Fang for them to see Steed calls them over. He's very excited. He says, I found something and I'm not going to try to pronounce this, uh, but is a candied melon silk moth. I'm not going to oh, yeah. try to pronounce the like, <laughs> genus of it. Um, he says, it's a very rare specimen. See, we're already finding stuff. Oh. And Blackbeard says, great. You found a bug. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Lucia says, who says treasure maps are useless? <laughs> and then uh, Steed gives him a look. He says, I wasn't being sarcastic. That's just how I talk. (laughs) So he's like, no, 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 I'm still on your side. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. That just slipped out, you know? (laughs) And Steve says, laugh all you want, but without the map, we wouldn't have found this little guy. So it's already paying dividends. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's finding the joy where he can. He's, he's trying desperately Mm -hmm. for this to be a fun outing. Yeah. And Blackbird actually gives it to him. He's like, I suppose it's pretty interesting for an insect. But then he gets so mad because the flies are still buzzing around him. He says, I'm going back to the ship. Yeah. And Steve goes, oh, come on. We're having fun. You know what your problem is? You have no idea how to relax, does he, Lucius? Hmm. And Lucius says, I mean, you are kind of intense. Like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did we miss the... Was that the snake scene? That uh, you're approaching the snake scene. That's when he's like, I know how to relax. And then he's like, you know, like oh, leaning yes, 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 yes. so okay. awkwardly yeah, against yeah. the most awkward tree slash plant slash root slash I don't know what that was. Yeah. I love him. I love him when he's trying to relax. He's like, oh, yeah, I can relax. See? For a second, let's just entertain the idea of being in a Florida swamp mm. leather clad. I cannot imagine the amount of sweat that my body would be producing. (laughs) Like the leather would disintegrate from the amount of sweat. Like, I I don't know. That's awful. I've been like on vacation before where it's like, well, yeah, like it's winter up here. And then we're like going down like South Florida and I'm like packing and I'm like packing jeans and stuff like that. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's hot down there. But it's not that hot. Like it's 15 degrees up here. And then I get down there and I'm like, I need to go buy some shorts. This is really hot. I can't wear it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just don't understand how hot it is until you get there. Yeah, exactly. And it's humid, right? It's the humidity oh, yeah, that it's kills so it. so humid. Yeah. 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 So he says he knows how to relax. He's, he's leaning against that tree. Uh, very awkwardly and then a snake drops on him <laughs> and he starts oh my god freaking out yeah yeah uh, as you would i would too oh yeah just oh my absolutely gosh. start losing his mind um and is beating the snake fuck nature <laughs> fuck you nature fucking nature fuck off fucking little motherfucking snake 
I love it so much. And he's saying, die. Oh, I've had those things where something is like fallen on me and I just like flipped out. Like, yeah, I've had that happen to me before, mm-hmm. like a bug or, you know, something, never a snake, but I've definitely had that like adrenaline rush where you just beat the crap out of it until it's completely yeah, dead. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think I was, I was more, I was just so focused on like the symbolism of that moment mm-hmm. where like he is literally killing a snake and then they're all going to eat it for lunch, like yeah. right in an episode about toxic masculinity. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to a small fire. Lucius is roasting the snake over it and they already have pieces of the snake that I guess they already cooked and they're eating. Yeah. Now, this is, entire exchange is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. Is it yep. ad-libbed cuz it feels ad-libbed? I don't know but, if it was, but uh But it's it's done so tightly. It's probably not ad-libbed because it's just it's so cute though. It's, it's adorable. so cute. Like it has very strong like couple playfully arguing at a sushi restaurant kind of vibes. Yeah, and it feels like maybe it was improved and then scripted like if you've ever seen improv where they can really mm-hmm. just it, if the the caliber of a person mm-hmm. you know of an improv artist can really just bounce off of each other mm-hmm. it's amazing to watch and like it just felt like improv it felt like i was watching improv well i mean we also know that Reese Darby and Taika Waititi have known each other for a very long time so yes. i mean i can't I can imagine them being like, okay, like, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. Let's try and see if we can give it our own, like, spin and Mm -hmm. see where this scene kind of takes us. Yeah. Uh, So this whole scene, so they're sitting there eating the snake and they're they're both enjoying it. And Steed says, it's actually really well tenderized. You could be a chef. Mm -hmm. Blackbird says, probably could. Maybe I will. I can do anything. (laughs) I just, I love the way he's speaking in this entire exchange. Yeah. Maybe I will. I can do anything. I know. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and he's eating, you know, he's kind of have his mouth full a little bit, but not too much. And he's like, yeah, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And Steed says, I'd come to your restaurant. And he says, well, you might not get in. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very popular. <laughs> so he's already completely in, in point two seconds has established like something that Steed suggested to him. That you could be a chef, that he has a whole restaurant that's extremely popular that he can't, <laughs> that Steed won't be able to get into. Aww. Uh Steed says, well, you'd save me a seat, wouldn't you? And he says, maybe if you weren't being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, what night would you want to come? <laughs> Steed said Saturday night. And he says, oh, that's a busy night. <laughs> you know, it's very anachronistic. You know, this is very modern. I honestly saw this moment as Ed, like, openly flirting with Steed and Steed like not really getting it and just being like, Oh, but I, I want to come. Maybe I'll come this time. Blah, blah, blah. And like, that's true. Ed yeah. is just like, he knows what he's doing. And he's like, well, maybe you'll, maybe you'll be fine. Maybe you'll come in. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it's, it's just so playful. Maybe it's more of a challenge. Yeah, I think so. Because at the end when he goes, oh, yeah. like he's like, oh, yeah, he got this. Like, yeah. oh, he, he, he won the game. Yeah. He won the game. Like yes. I put a game to him and he won it. Yeah. Well, oh, so well, remember when, when Ed was saying, and how does one win this sort of interaction? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Steed won the interaction in this moment and Ed is loving it. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's so cute. I, I can't love take it. it. 
Uh, so he says that he goes, okay, I can probably get you in. It's called Blackbeard's Bar and Grill and other delicacies and delights and fishing equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and Steed says something about, you know, you don't want to walk past fishing gear when you can, uh, you know, when you're going to dinner. And he says maybe a gift shop out of the back. And then you can say, oh, I hope you've enjoyed your meal. Have you seen the gift shop? And Blackbeard's like, oh, what do they say? Oh, no, thanks. I've just come for a nice meal. Oh, that's, oh, now they're angry. No, they're going to leave a bad review. (laughs) Steve says, oh, another guy from the other side of the room might go, oh, I'm into gifts and I'll go have a look. Well, yeah, that's the guy I'm after. I want him to come. Who's he? That's me. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's when he says, oh. (laughs) So cute. It was, I just, the cutest exchange I've ever seen. I was just kind of like biting my fist watching it. I was like, what? Yeah, like very well done, very very sweet, very um yes. You know, honest and earnest and I I just loved everything about it. Yeah, it was very cute, very cute. Steed notices that Ed has something in his beard and uh he's like, "Oh, no. No, down a bit, up a bit to the left." And like so Ed's trying to get it out and he can't kind of find it. He says, "Oh, here, let me." And Ed leans in and is just looking at him with such adoration okay it is such a tender moment (laughs) oh my god all right yes Mm -hmm. the way that he is just looking at steed in that moment Uh like that is yearning if i have ever seen it yeah and we cut to lucius (laughs) and lucius goes oh my god this is happening (laughs) and they both say what what nothing more snake yeah okay let's let's pause here we got to talk about this (laughs) okay thoughts (laughs) coming in hot (laughs) this is the title of the episode is this is happening exactly this show knows it knows its audience (laughs) yes the show knows um you know they're not they're being and i think that something that's interesting here is that they're they're being very obvious about it. They're like, this is happening. Yes. They're telling you, the audience, literally what they're yeah. in the process of doing. And I think that, you know, some of us who have watched queer coded shows that mm-hmm. never sort of really um, delivered on their promise of potential queer relationships are kind of like biting our nails through this entire yes. thing. Like we can't believe that it's actually happening. Uh, but it, yes. it is. This is happening. Well, that's and exactly. They know that we can't hope to believe that this is happening. Mm-hmm. We don't let ourselves actually believe it because we're just waiting for the bromant. We're waiting for the pullback. We're waiting yeah. for the dancing on the line. We're waiting for Blackbeard to to meet a beautiful woman and fall yeah. in love with her. Like we're waiting for that slap in the face. Mm-hmm. And they decided to help us and assuage our fears and bolster our hope and name the episode this, this is, is happening. happening yeah and then they put lucius three feet away from them as an audience stand-in to discover it along with us and mm-hmm. to say this is 
happening. They did everything short of like mounting a neon sign in the trees <laughs> with like a flashing arrow that's like definitely not straight things happening. Like, uh, well, I mean, which I feel would have worked with the show also it in worked. a very strange way. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. And I think that this is also the first moment that someone is there to kind of like witness them having a couple moment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because in previous episodes, we've seen Ed leaning in. I'm sorry, but like I'm like I saw a lean in for a kiss after the party. I have seen other people say that too. Okay. He leaned in in that moonlight scene. He leaned in in the moonlight. Yes. What did we think was going to happen? Like, Steed doesn't, yes. like, say anything, but, like, this was clearly him leaning in. Anyway, I don't want to rant about this. Um, but <laughs> that moment, no one else saw but us. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is going to happen. So, like, mm-hmm. and, and this time Lucius is there and he says this is happening. So you're right in saying that he's a, an audience stand-in because that was exactly my thought process as it happened. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, thank you. Yeah. Thank your creators of this show yes. for allowing us to to have confirmation. Mm-hmm. They knew they knew that we would dismiss it. They knew that homophobes would dismiss it. Yeah. yeah. You know, not only for their queer audience, but people who are watching it in a very heteronormative lens mm-hmm. going, oh, well, they're such good buddies. Yeah, exactly. They needed yeah. to put that in there. That's like, you know, just like Taika Watiti put out on his Instagram, like we created a romantic comedy, not a bromantic comedy. Yeah, like exactly. this is what, this is what we did. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that you have to spell it out, but you do. And they knew that and they mm-hmm. did. And they did. And I, I, I love them for it, frankly. Yes. And I'm so, okay. So now I want to shift the conversation very slightly mm-hmm. because I am going to posit that Ed knows about his feelings for Steed. Like Ed knows okay. how he's feeling. That's in part why he wants to leave. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And like he leaned in already for a kiss. He's looking at him like with the most amount of pungent yearning I have ever seen in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not ever, but you know what I mean, right? Um, (laughs) Yes. And so he knows how they must look right now Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. Lucius, but he doesn't Mm -hmm. mind being seen in this way. Like he minded the being seen treasure hunting, but he doesn't mind being like being seen as having a crush on Steve. Yeah. He is relaxed in this moment. Yeah, he is. And so I think that this is like really meaningful in how he, he is openly queer in this universe. Yeah. And again, like he, he ate, so he's less hangry now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And they both are like, what, what? And then later on, you can tell, I mean, like, when Lucius has this conversation with him, he's not denying anything. He's no, just like, no, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. Actually, let's move on to that point. Okay, let's okay. go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we cut back to Alawande and Jim and Nana, and they're talking about Jim's knife work. Uh, Nana says, this child was not raised to kneel or to turn to the other cheek. I taught them how to be silent, stealthy enough to stalk mice, uh, patient. And uh, the reason they're doing this is because they wanted to get God's divine revenge on, and I don't know how to pronounce this, the Siete Galos. The Jimenez family was killed by a roving gang of mercenaries. The Siete Galos, Uh, seven of the most dangerous and brutal killers in this land has ever seen. And Nana wants to know, did you hunt them down? Did you slaughter them? Did you have Mm. them beg like dogs for the mercy they did not show your family? Mm. 
And Jim says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got mm. oodles of revenge. <laughs> oodles of revenge. Yeah. yeah. And Nana says, details. And Jim's like, Ugh. Reveals to Nana that they only killed one of, yeah. the, of the seven. I'm assuming that's Spanish Jackie's husband, because Olawande pipes up and says, yeah. yeah, Jim used the family dagger. That was a pretty nice touch. He was very surprised. I was there. So that was apparently Jim's mission in life was to kill all seven people who killed their family. Yeah. I mean, I could sit here and talk about how revenge is futile for hours. <laughs> um, yes. I'm not gonna, but I, I, it just makes me question a lot of stuff and I, I'm excited to see more. I don't want to go too much into analysis if I don't really know what's sure. going to happen later. Right. Like that's always yeah, kind yeah. of um, a bit tricky, but I kind of wonder why uh the show creators would have a catholic nun um talk so much about revenge and yeah. a vengeful god uh i have yeah. some thoughts some preliminary thoughts about that <laughs> you somebody who grew up catholic i'm sure also yeah. have thoughts about it yeah it's interesting yeah and so i'm kind of like thinking about how this child was raised solely for the purpose mm. of revenge and now they're sort of reckoning with that. Yeah. That's and sad. wondering if it was even, I don't know, maybe they're not wondering that, but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know, you don't know which way they're going. So we don't know if we're going to see her again, Nana, or, yeah. you know, obviously at the end, Jim is still there. So mm -hmm. we think that we're going to see that, but you don't know. Yeah. And there's only a couple episodes left. I mean, like there's a lot, there's a lot of content that, I feel like I didn't yeah. see that's been hinted to that. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me, you know, it makes me sad that Jim would be leaving the crew and all one day to go and do this thing that like at the end of the yeah. day, like doesn't really like, it's not going to bring them anything. Right. You know, like yeah. revenge doesn't actually bring much to people. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it just kind of like leaves a, a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth wanting revenge is a very human emotion and it's totally normal. And I think we all feel that way at certain points, but, and I'm yes. not saying forgive and forget either. That is not what I'm saying. Right. But I am kind of wondering about the lengths to which Jim is being asked to go for revenge. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to think this woman's still living her life. She's still doing what she wants, but she set a child on mm -hmm. the path. Why didn't she go and kill them? <laughs> I mean, she had, she has knife skills. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, you transformed a child into a killer and now you're disappointed in them for living their life. Yeah. With somebody it's, that it, they love. Like, I don't know. I, this whole thing like makes me feel very awkward. No matter what Jim says, like they, they deeply care about all one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no matter what happens with the relationship, they are, like, we don't quite know if they're in love with Aluande, but they definitely love him. Sure. Sure. Or at least that's yeah. how I'm seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with yeah. that. Before we had cut away from Steed and Ed, um, there was a spark that landed on the map. Mm. And so we saw it kind of catch fire a little bit. So when we cut back to them, <laughs> Steed is trying to put the map together. Oh, there's still a few scraps that didn't completely burn. Blackbeard says, give it up, Steed. All adventures have a natural conclusion, and this one's more than fitting. Mm -hmm. And Steed says, no, I can fix this. Come on, the day's not fully ruined. And 
Blackbeard is kind of farther away with Lucius and says, God, he'll probably be moping all the way back to the ship. Mm. And Lucius goes, you don't have to be a dick about it. Ooh. Uh-huh. You tell him, Lucius. You tell yes. him. And Blackbeard says, what? And he, and instead of cowering and say, oh, nothing, he said, I said, you don't have to be a dick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. he put together this whole outing for you. And Blackbeard's shocked. Like, what? Why? For me? And this is Lucius's monologue is amazing. Yeah. He says, look, you're very cool and you wear leather. Okay. So maybe you wouldn't understand this, but everyone is worried all the time, whether they're interesting or adventurous enough for you. And that bizarre little man over there likes you very much and you like him. And if you can't get over yourself long enough to realize that you're going to end up another leather clad, middle-aged, sad sack, dying alone in a puddle of his own piss. You can stab me in the face now. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so who's who's the other leather-clad, middle-aged, sad sack? Yeah, there you <laughs> <Is> go. <laughs> the other leather daddy. Yeah. Um, I just honestly, I don't know if you noticed, but I love that Lucius is talking to Ed with the same tone that he was speaking to Izzy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like the same tone, the same voice, the same eyes that he's making at him. And I, yeah. I really, I admire Lucius for like speaking so fearlessly to like the Blackbeard. Yeah, and yeah. telling him not to be a dick. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know that Ed hasn't has only killed one person. Yeah, that's true. So he's true. fully expecting, like you said, to get stabbed in the face <laughs> at this mm-hmm. point. I sort of think that here Lucius is is speaking to that part of Ed that upholds toxic standards of masculinity for himself and the people around him. And Mm -hmm. so I'm sort of seeing Lucius as like the cycle breaker and the truth speaker. Yeah. And I just, I love him. I love him so much. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. He like, just honestly, I'm so grateful that he spoke up for Steed. That's like, you may yeah. not see what he's doing, but I see what he's doing and I see what you're doing and I'm going to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone needs a friend like that. Yeah, Everyone absolutely. needs a wingman like that. A good wingman. Yeah. There you go. Yes. So at this point, it's lovely because Steed has lost hope officially. So if Lucius mm-hmm. wouldn't have done what he did, then they would have just gone back to the ship. Yeah. And so Steed says it's hopeless. So we may as well head back to the ship. You were right. It's a stupid idea. I don't know why we're here. This actually reminds me of the party where, you know, Ed is like, I just want to go back to the ship. Like, this yes. is not fun. Like, he feels humiliated. And in this mm-hmm. moment, it's it's Steed's turn to feel humiliated. Yeah. And Ed doesn't really see that until Lucius tells him. Yeah, I think he's much more aware of his crush. And I think Lucius saying he likes you. Yeah. It's like, oh, he does. Okay, I like him. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay, he didn't kiss me after the party, but maybe he still, maybe he likes me, right? Like, yeah. So Blackbeard walks up and says, actually, I'm a little disappointed. I was just starting to have fun. Mm. And he (laughs) basically contrives that the map isn't a total loss, that there's a little scrappy bit that looks like a tree. He asks for Lucius's help. Lucius like, yeah, yeah, definitely. looks like that to me. Um, So they're really amping him up. And whether Steed doesn't catch on that they're amping him up or he's just like, oh, okay, now you're now you're with me. You know, he's back. He's back. He's like you know, let's do this, prepare the shovel, you know, and Blackbeard says, yeah, we didn't come all this way not to dig something up. Mm. And they're like, yeah, let's go. You know, they're very excited now. And of course, this is just going to be Ed 
and Lucius kind of directing him just to dig somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> just somewhere. Oh my god. Yeah. So uh, Lucius is looking at Blackbeard like, no, you did it. And he said that was very sweet. And as this is after Steed walked away and and Blackbeard says, don't, or I will stab you in the fucking face. And he's like, yep, okay, yep, got it. <laughs> we cut to Alawande finding Jim. And Jim says, how did you find me? He says something about followed a trail of twigs and footprints. And Jim says, I've seen you get lost on the ship sometimes. <laughs> I, Which is really funny. <laughs> there's so much in that one line that, like, we just can't address. Yeah. Like, but it, it makes me, like, I have so many questions. I would take an entire other 10 episode, 30 minutes each of just stuff that they've talked about that. Yes. Like that backstory. We don't see. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Alu getting uh, lost on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this, nope, this is the ballroom. Crap. <laughs> so he asks Jim, you know, where are we? And Jim points out, that's my tree. My parents planted it when I was born. This was my family's land. This is where I grew up. This is where it all happened. And Jim tells the story of how their family was killed and they walk up, uh, you know, the, the bandits, whatever the gang that Mm -hmm. killed their family walk up and talk about, you know, how good their oranges were. And Jim's father says, Oh, you can have as many as you want. And they stab Jim's father says, thanks. I will. Yeah. And this is done in front of Jim and another child who, you know, Jim keeps saying they killed my family. Like, was Jim the only survivor? Yeah, I, I wonder about I that, too. I wonder if we're going to get answers to that. Yeah. So Jim took the uh, their father's knife and they said they don't remember the rest. They must have blacked it out when I came to. I was in the woods holding the knife. And I was out there for weeks before anyone could find me. <sighs> So apparently Jim stayed in the woods and just foraged, I guess. And mm. yeah. So uh, all the one says, Christ, that's awful, man. You know, for what it's worth, you're surprisingly well adjusted for an orphan raised by a nun to be a killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Jim says she's a lot, but she's my only family. And all says, well, look, if you wanted, I could be family. Mm. And leans in and they are about to kiss. When they are interrupted by Steed yelling, are you sure this is the right tree? And I am going to quote Izzy hands and Uh say, Steed fucking bonnet. (laughs) I was so mad at him. He has no no idea, right? Like, this is not his fault, but I am so mad at him. Yeah. (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. I just, I I really love in, like, before, before we move on that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Aluwande had been so frustrated with Jim throughout especially at the beginning of the episode and here like he's kind of making like another effort to move towards them and to Mm -hmm. say like hey I'm opening up again if you're interested and like I think that the message is that Jim is in fact interested yes in 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 Alawande becoming family Alawande was very frustrated because he didn't know why and I think he assumed that Jim was just keeping him at arm's length for a selfish reason. Once Alawande understood that, oh no, there's real trauma here. I think it really softens the blow. Like, oh, of course you'd be secretive and quiet and silent and not talk a lot. Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense. Um, 
given your background. So I think that really, really enlightened Alawande um, as to Jim's character and why they do what they do and made it a little bit more palatable that they don't know everything. Yeah, you're right. But he still wants to know, Mm -hmm. you know, he still wants to be there for them and says, I could be your family. Yeah. And I think that like, it's important to like, especially at the beginning of some of a relationship like this to kind of like know that you're not the only one who is being open Right. Yeah. Right. Like you need to have some sort of reciprocation from the other person. And I think that that's in part the the, the frustration of Aluande that like Mm -hmm. he was telling Jim all of those things perhaps. And he felt like he wasn't like receiving any information about who Jim was. Like he didn't feel like Jim was opening up to him. Right. Yep. Steed is very excited. Uh, They led him to this tree, which happens to be Jim's tree. Hmm. And Blackbeard said, oh, yeah, undoubtedly. Lucius says it looks just like the one off the map. Plus, pirates are always burying stuff at the base of trees, which <laughs> which is completely against everything he's been saying this entire episode. <laughs> well, that's Lucius saying this. Yes. <laughs> but but Blackbeard had said, like, map, treasure maps don't exist. Uh, and well, Steed says, see, now I feel like you're just patronizing me. So he get he gets that this is just like they're suddenly both really on board for treasure hunting. And Jim walks up and says, what, you know, what are you doing to my family's tree? Which Steed, a white plantation owner in a comic safari outfit, (laughs) digging up a treasure on a person of color's ancestral land right in front of them. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there you go. Like, I think and the show and again, like I find that the show creators, like the writers are so good for making this happen because like it there's like. Again, it, it creates opportunities to talk about this and especially with mm-hmm. what happens with the treasure that is found afterwards, yeah. right? Like who gets to keep it, who is, you know. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not just done without thought. It is done with thought. It is intentional and it oh, is yeah. and it is there is setup and there's payoff. There's setup, there's payoff. It's not just done yeah. for shock value. Yes. So, uh, you know, Steed says, "Oh, good timing. I'm just about to unearth some treasure." And I mean, they already said, what are you doing to my family's tree? So it's like, Steve, maybe you should pause for a second. Yeah. But, you know, then he, uh, Blackbeard says, we're just letting him dig for a bit, get it out of his system. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve finds something. He says, what do you think it could be? It's like, and they said, a a A rock. rock. (laughs) It's a rock. Everyone is like, it's just a rock. (laughs) (laughs) He says, Lucius, come help. And Lucius goes, I'm literally the only person with a wooden finger here, but sure. (laughs) Um, again truth speaker i love it yeah and uh, uh he thinks it's a rock too uh yes. steed does but blackbeard takes it i think it's so funny because he says yeah sorry mate it's usually how these things go you just end up finding a rock or a dried up piece of shit but <laughs> he doesn't discount it completely he doesn't dismiss it. you know even though he's dismissing it he still takes a moment to clean it off like maybe it's a nice rock mm-hmm. like there's some really nice sparkly rocks out there so well I think it's also like the, the pass for Ed, the passage of like focusing on the treasure versus focusing on the journey, because Mm -hmm. now like Ed will remember this as like the treasure hunt that they did. And he found out that Steed actually likes them. Right. Like it's, it's just kind of a shift there in perspective. And (laughs) so Steed does say, well, I guess the real treasure was our day spent together. Am I right? Which is so cute. And Lucius says we spend every day together. <laughs> the tre- treasure is the real treasure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Be quiet, Lucius. 
But Blackbeard is cleaning it off, which is nice. And he says, hey, look, it's an orange. It's a petrified orange. And Jim thinks, I think Jim finds a lot of symbolism in that. And says the old tree still had some fruit to give after all. And Steed offers it to Jim and says, I suppose you should have it. It's your land, which is, uh, you know, more than I thought they would do. Because I thought Steed would be like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But apparently steed did hear jim say you know this is my family's tree and offered it to jim so that was good but jim says that's cool finders keepers and then steed goes oh thank god i didn't want to give it to you (laughs) which again is peak like 18th century white man like he's like but he's like i know what i should do and i'm gonna do everything but no i didn't want to give it to you and he says i think this is my new favorite thing which is so cute he loves this petrified orange so much even yeah. though he has this boat full of riches and all this money and, and all marmalade this stuff. and yeah <laughs> well so okay so what do we make of the treasure because like are the curtains just blue or does this have some sort of significance i don't know i don't think i'm smart enough because <laughs> i'm like yes <laughs> well i mean so i I'm trying to make sense of it because I can't imagine that in an episode that is written so well in so many ways, Mm -hmm. like oranges and this petrified orange would mean nothing. (laughs) So I've been, I really have been thinking about it for quite some time and I am having some trouble putting a finger on it, but Mm -hmm. let's just try to work out some thoughts here. Um, (laughs) putting a finger on it, (laughs) Lucia's joke, (laughs) a wooden finger, (laughs) a wooden finger on it. So we know that Steed loves oranges. We know that oranges are a source of health for the crew members. Mm-hmm. We also know that Steed and Ed love marmalade. They shared like a mm-hmm. moment together with regards to marmalade at sunrise again. Um, yes. This whole episode was about finding oranges to stop scurvy from spreading to the rest of the crew members and to cure the Swede. Um, so I'm kind of wondering like why a petrified orange at the foot of Jim's dead tree. Mm. And I'm Mm -hmm. sort of brought back to what Jim is saying, because I think it's important that they think that it's a rock at first, like that it's meaningless. Yeah. And Jim's line about the tree still having fruit to give after all is also important. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, that maybe true. it has to do with like realizing that it's never too late to do something like it's not too late for Jim to go and like finish the job, quote unquote, or like to do yeah. what they want to do, whatever that is, even though I really don't know if that's what they want to do. But anyway, sure. um, it's it's also not too late for Steed to realize that like he likes men and particularly Ed. Yeah. And it's not too late for Ed to realize that he doesn't want to be Blackbeard anymore. Like, That's it's true. just, it's never too late to change course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your life isn't over till it's over. Yeah, yeah, So to there say, well, it's, you know, too late for this, too late for that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's just, it's never changes. too late kind of thing. And I, and I don't know, maybe we're going to get a whole different, and that's kind of the thing that I find <laughs> really challenging in doing this analysis on the fly kind of thing. Yes. Because, like, I don't know what's going to happen in episode, like, nine or ten, and maybe this is going to completely yeah. shift. But preliminarily, yeah. that's kind of yeah. what I'm thinking. Well, I think that we're allowed to look at each episode in a vacuum okay. on its own. Yeah, I like the, that. These are stories that are presented to us, you know, and maybe it'll inform it later, you mm-hmm. know, but I think we're allowed to analyze them as a whole. And maybe we'll do an episode at the end that just kind of, maybe we'll do an 11th episode that talks yeah. about the series as a whole. Yeah, I think so. Like a recap. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So, Steed is very ex- happy. Not only did he get a treasure but he also had the journey of Mm. the day and jim 
tells Alawande that they're not going back to the boat. They have to finish yeah. the job. Alawande seems pretty sad, but resigned mm-hmm. to it. And Alawande says, be careful. Jim says, you know me. And Alawande says, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Be careful. I and find it interesting that Alawande doesn't offer to go with them. Yeah, I do too. Um, and not like, not in a, oh, I don't think that he wants to go, but more like, I think he understands that this is something that they need to do on their own. Yeah. I think he knows Jim pretty well. And Jim would be like, nope, no, this is, this is my thing. Yeah. 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 There you so go. Nana is packing up and sending oranges back to the ship with the crew. <laughs> and she asks where uh jim is and alawande says that they're gone said they're to finish the job Mm -hmm. she says to him in spanish sorry child life is pain and alawande says life is pain in spanish Mm. and so he's very upset and (laughs) back back on the ship in the library steed sets down the petrified orange and says it really is the perfect paperweight Yes. And Blackbeard's sitting there with brandy and says this really is the perfect brandy and (laughs) steed tops him off and says plenty more that came from he's very excited and steed says you know ed i don't know if i uh well agree that a ship can only have one captain Mm. and blackbeard says yes well i suppose if you found the absolutely two perfect people then they could potentially (gasps) and again like fourth episode with we need to be a lighthouse when they said it together they both said co-captains together Oh. And and even pointed out, we said the same thing. Cheers. And they, you know, clink their glasses together. So I just have to say, and they were co-captains. And they were co-captains. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I th- And again, like, I think that this is Steed kind of like offering to break from, you know, uh, traditional standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Izzy, as we know, would be completely against this. Yes. Didn't I send you a link that there was like a, um, where there would be actual co-captains? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the reason why I'm saying this is more like, because I'm, I'm thinking narratively about Izzy. Oh, sure. Sure. Where like Izzy would not be in for this at all. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. The concept is, uh, it's a French word for seamanship. And I looked up the pronunciation and they said it's matelotage. Yes, le matelotage. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So it was a same-sex civil union amongst European sailors, in particular pirates in the 17th and 18th centuries. Mm -hmm. It was an economic partnership. They would agree to share their incomes, inherit their partner's property in case of their death, and they would pledge to protect and fight alongside each other in battle and otherwise act in each other's interest. And they said, while often interpreted as a platonic form of mutual insurance, many historians believe that it would much more be accurately comparable to a same-sex marriage. And they also said another allusion to its true significance was the disapproval it was shown by the colonial authorities. Yes, well, that I think right away, the second that the colon- that any kind of like colonial entity is against you, 
um, mm. yeah, it means that you're doing something that, yeah, yeah, there you go. You're doing something right, essentially. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> moving on from that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. That's actually something that I really want to go and look up a bit more about, like, okay. yeah. and, and, um, just like homosexuality in sailors and pirates around that time. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. maybe for our next uh, episode, I can do a little bit of well, research I'm on that. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come up again. So oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's look that up. And then after we watch the next episode, and we'll talk about it some more then. But Perfect. I just want to touch on that. That is not that's not uncommon to have co captains. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was a very uh, formal thing. Mm -hmm. so, Although I'm not sure that matletage has necessarily to do with co captainship per se. Like I think, mm -hmm, for example, mm -hmm. like um, Black Pete and, uh, and Lucius, to a certain degree, like it's, it's a, it's a union that they, that they could have, or like Alu and Jim, you know, like it's okay. a, yeah. like that, those could all be considered as matletage. Like if they have that mm -hmm. kind of like understanding that should something happen That's to true. one, then like, right, whatever. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not limited to just uh, exactly. the captain of a ship. Yeah. yeah like yeah, I think yeah. It, it can certainly include that, but I don't think it's, it's, it's limited to it, but yeah, like that's yeah. such a good, uh, a good observation. Thank you for bringing yeah. it up. No problem. All right. So our last little stinger is um, we cut from the happy couple to the scorned ex and we see <laughs> Izzy. <laughs> My beloved. <laughs> and this is so interesting. So interesting to me. Do you hear what he was muttering to Spanish Jackie as we're coming in? He was so jealous. He says, and then Bonnet comes along and he's like, oh, oh, Blackbeard, I really love, I love the way you dress. I love your hair. I love your beard and all that. I mm -hmm. tell you, I would have ripped his fucking head off and I would have had him in that duel. I would have had him. That is not. Yeah. <laughs> That's not straight. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? not. It's he is really a not. scorned ex. Mm -hmm. This is, I was just like. You know, I heard him kind of muttering and I'm like, I have, I have to look up the transcript and see what he's saying. And like mm -hmm. my jaw dropped at the transcript. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're just this... putting that out there. This is happening. <laughs> yeah, this is happening. Like this is entirely Izzy, like being mad that like Steve yeah. came along and stole his boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, so Spanish Jackie is so annoyed by all of this. She's just li <laughs> listening to him like mutter and she's like, oh God. But then they hear Martin footsteps coming in and Spanish Jackie is very unhappy and says, I don't like having their kind in my establishment. And mm -hmm. this is the English Navy. Yeah. And Izzy says, if it makes you feel any better, they hate it too. And this is Admiral Badminton. Uh, oh yeah. And they, you know, he says, you're Spanish Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Spanish? No. Well, why do you call you Spanish Jackie? I don't know. <laughs> Leave me alone. I and also there's also a part of me okay I don't know if what she says is true yes right yeah oh, because honestly. like well she doesn't want to give him information she's like right you know why do you need to know she doesn't yeah. owe him anything <laughs> yeah so like good for her for even if she knows not telling him like yeah right there you go good for yeah. her so Izzy says a little bird has told us that you've got it in for for Steed Bonnet so do we and Jackie's reasoning is he broke my nose jar and one of his crew murdered my favorite husband. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Admiral Badman says, I don't, I don't follow any of that. And <laughs> Izzy said, Bonnet has done something to my boss's brain. So interesting. 
I mean, like, this is sort of the way that people... <sighs> During the sword fight, when he's doing the voiceover, he says, if I wasn't mistaken, I think he was seducing him. Yeah. So. I I feel like this is kind of the way that homophobic parents talk about, like, the partner of their mm, uh, yeah. queer child. Yes. Uh, you know, it's your fault you did this to them. Like, Yeah, because they bring yeah. someone home and they're suddenly like, oh, I have to reveal this to you as mm. to explain to you why I'm bringing this person home. And instead of it being something about them, it's the intruder in the home that you don't have unconditional love for, mm -hmm. that you don't have to grapple with. You can just make them, well, that's my enemy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. Admiral Badminton, I can't say his name. <laughs> Admiral Badminton says, uh, "This chump killed my brother," and they held up the the bloody flag. And Izzy says, "We can serve Steed Bonnet up to you for a price." And they say, "Name it," and yeah. that's when the episode ends. So. Oh, Izzy! I can't believe so. They're all. I know. I I thought. I think last episode I said that you know there's all these different factions coming towards them but i didn't think they were going to unite no i did not think so yeah. either <laughs> yeah so because it means that now they can't play them off of each other right or yeah, maybe they can yeah. i don't know but ah. yeah <laughs> i mean spanish jackie clearly isn't happy with either of them so mm. it's possible she's like all right i'm out of here her grievance against steed is probably the least egregious like he broke my <laughs> nose jar and then one of his crew members did something before they were even a crew member of his like well it sort of makes me wonder which one is the most important to her like is it the yes, husband yeah. or the nose jar <laughs> it's probably the nose jar <laughs> well you know <laughs> that's funny i'm just, just getting a new jar there. jackie <laughs> yeah, just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. Are we done with the well, episode? I think so. Do you have any predictions for the next episode? Uh, well, I mean, at this point, I would sort of expect there to be, you know, a moving in of the uh, villain or antagonist forces. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, we only have three episodes left, so... <sighs> It's going to have to go pretty quickly. Right. That's kind of what I'm I'm thinking is going to happen at this point. You know, mm -hmm. like we need to resolve this. So yeah. that's that's kind of where I think that this is headed. What about you? Do you have anything specific? No, not specifically. I mean, honestly, just looking at the layout, it's like, okay, yeah, this they have. I mean, again, we have an hour and a half of television left to watch. Oh like my God. there has to be some sort of epilogue. There has to be some sort of, you know, so mm -hmm. I expect them to get into the meat of it on the next episode mm -hmm. and real and have some confrontation there. I don't think there's going to be a lot of build up or, or any episodes where it's a more world building or character right. building, you right. know, I think there's going to be a lot of action. Yeah. I'm sort of curious about what they're going to do with Jim at this point, because again, I'm really mm -hmm. unsure mm -hmm that like I, okay so actually no i have a prediction i predict that um jim is going to be very very close to getting revenge and they're not going to do it like i don't think that that's going to happen that's a prediction well and i think now that you mentioned jim and especially not being there that's half of spanish jackie's grievance right there gone exactly you know if Spanish Jackie gets on that boat and it's like, you broke my nose jar and I also want one of your crew members. And they're like, Oh, well Jim left. 
Mm-hmm. Spanish Jackie Man would be like, oh, okay, well, then I'm here because of some broken glass. Like, yeah. uh, you know, or, and also Jim is such a, is an amazing, stealthy fighter. Maybe Jim helps save the day when maybe, they finally come maybe back. Maybe Jim comes back and saves the day. <gasps> yes. Would love that. Yes. Would love that. Yeah. So there you go. Those are, those are predictions. Yep. All right. Well, let's head to the shore for a message in a bottle. The message reads, Watching two grown adults explore queer first love is incredible. Having both a late bloomer gay like Steed, as well as an openly queer but jaded Ed, it makes me feel a lot less of a quote-unquote failure at my own queerness. Not everyone comes out as a teen, whether by choice, circumstance, or unawareness. So seeing two grown men with full lives behind them exploring the fuzzy first love feelings helped reframe a lot of the insecurities I had about my own coming out journey well into my adulthood. Our flag means death reinforces that you are not less queer if you were married or came out late or never had a queer relationship before. You're never too old and it's never too late. You are still valid and worthy of love. And this is making me very emotional. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is. And it's just like you talked about the petrified orange and it's meaning, you know, I think there's some old, there's some fruit in the old girl yet. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Yeah. So I had a very late coming out journey. It's still, uh, still ongoing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to go from feeling like you're straight, but, but broken. Mm -hmm. And then you have the revelation of, oh, I'm not straight. And that's why I felt broken when I had that label on me Mm -hmm. is a powerful thing. Yeah, Um, exactly. So, yeah. And Watching them explore this in a very clear way is mm-hmm. is beautiful. This is happening. This is happening. <laughs> and it's just so straightforward and non-judgmental. Like, it's just really beautiful, really. Yeah. You know, just kind of like on a personal note, just to kind of show that like, yeah, like this message is saying, like the message that's conveyed in these episodes has uh, real life implications for people watching, like although I'm an out queer person, like my own gender identity lately has been like, uh, like a bit of a question for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really know where I am or, or where I stand in that respect. And Mm -hmm. one of my bigger kind of hangups about it is like, well, you know, you're already 34. Like, what is it going to change if you start using different Mm -hmm. pronouns? Like it doesn't really change anything. You're always going to be perceived as a woman anyway. Like, right. And maybe this is just kind of a reminder that it's never too late to feel good in your own skin, yeah. no matter how that happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's very powerful. Yeah, I'm, it is. I'm really, really enjoying the show. It's Me too. so sweet. So, thank you, David Jenkins. Yes, thank you. And thank you for this message in a bottle. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. It's really quite beautiful. It made me cry. <laughs> yeah. The amount of messages we receive that are in this vein and just, it's, it's so sweet. And I really love how much this show has meant to the queer community at large. Right. Exactly. Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you find on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us a message in a bottle using the link in our show notes and Twitter bio. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us at Gentleman Pirate. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back next week with our coverage of book eight. 
A pirate walks into a bar with a big ship wheel down his pants. The bartender says, excuse me, sir, but do you know you have a ship's wheel down the front of your pants? And the pirate replies, Arr, it's driving me nuts. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) 